Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. back to the week six of the Big East Barroom on this cold Monday night because there is no Big East basketball, but it is a perfect night to record. Rennie, Ryan, happiest December 19th to you and yours. Thank you for that intro. Um, one week from Christmas, which is a little more celebrated usually, but we'll celebrate December 19th. Just December fine. 19th is yeah. actually the day that Mary had her first contraction. I don't believe that to be the case, but we got a couple open beers, so that's a celebration. That is a celebration, and we are ready to record. A um, little housekeeping. A little housekeeping. We, we're going to go down to two and a half minutes per team, because we go over anyway. So if we're going to go over and we have something more to say, you know, we'll keep going. Um, but... And we have a new buzzer, and we have a new way we're going to pick the order in which we're going to talk about teams. Um, but other than that, I think it, this should be a similar format. We had mailbag come in this week. Yep. Not a ton of questions from you guys, but there were some really good ones. Um, someone's asking me a silly question, but um, uh, on Twitter, and yeah, we should be we should be good to go. But Ryan and I have an order in which we're going to pick things, and we're going to go from the least attractive head coach to the most attractive head coach. And Ryan's going to start it off with his first pick of the least attractive head coach on the roster. Least attractive. Wow, I got to start, do I? Um, I think you're, my number one pick here, I think we'll start with the Butler Bulldogs. Thad Mata. Thad Mata, who has done some really cool stuff. Um, hell of a basketball coach. A hell of a basketball coach. I was That's really what cool. he gets paid for. I'm really... All right, so we're putting two and a half minutes on the clock. Yeah, We're sure. talking Butler Bulldogs. Let's do it. Butler plays one game this week. They play UConn um, at Hinkle. Uh, I kind of feel for Butler in this game for a lot of reasons, but if you're going to face UConn this year, I mean, a top five team in the country you want to face them when your students are all there um revenue wise you know get that place jumping and they faced them you know when their christmas break had already started so um this game was a lot closer they this was a four point game 49 53 at one point um that's can't be right because they only scored 46 points maybe it was 39 43 um but you couldn't put them away to win 68 to 46 so no, I think you're exactly right. I mean, the home court advantage is really lessened when you don't have the students there. Um, and, you know, UConn <coughs> is one of the top three teams in the country. So I don't think this reflects too poorly on Butler. I think it w- would be a massive overstatement to say this really tells us anything about Butler other than they're not one of the top three teams in the country. But nobody's been pretending that they are. Yeah. So that's not an issue to come to that conclusion. And the fact that they kept it to a four-point game with about eight minutes left proves what every Butler Bulldog fan is saying. We're not healthy right now. We are not. We have five players we're playing. And you saw that. You know, you, Ali Ali played a little bit um, in this ge- first game back. Um, but they just didn't weren't able to match what UConn was able to do, you know, every single time out there, um, no matter the subs or not. 
And UConn got really good contributions. I don't want to go too much into UConn here, but I, you know, Manny Bates, I think one of the big things is he really held his ground against Sonogo, um, and especially in that first half. Yeah, I mean, Manny Bates is fantastic. We already knew that. Ali Ali, if he's able to get healthy, you know, he was projected as a starter before the season started. Um, and then I believe. Jalen Thomas was also suited up. Did he get into yeah. the game? Yeah, no, Jalen Thomas played a little bit. He was from Georgia State. I believe that so. Guy, yep. yep. He played a little bit. Um, Seamus Tokosius looked really well, good um, until they f- switched a little bit of a longer defender on him. So, I mean, it, listen, if I'm Butler, I'm saying for 20 or 33 minutes, we played with the best, one of the best three teams in the country. That's my takeaway from this game. Um, and I don't know, you know, maybe Butler fans see it a little differently, but... I don't think the final score reflects what it came to. And they're getting their depth back right at the right time. They're going into conference play, so I'm not concerned. Oh. A little Marcus Zagorowski on your cold, cold December 19th. I don't know why I'm really interested in the cold today. I'm just really cold, I think. Any, in- uh, any change in your opinion of Butler making the NCAA tournament after this no, week? No, I think Butler is going to be outside looking in. I think they're going to kind of be outside of the bubble even. Um, you know, one of the things that people are like, oh, really high in Butler. Their two losses against two of the top five teams in the country are by a combined 58 points. Um that and listen again. I'm sitting here and saying that doesn't reflect it, but I, you know, I it's still you lost by 58 points altogether. Yep, that's true. All right, now I get to draft an ugly coach, right? Yep. Who's your second ugliest coach in the conference? Oof, I don't want to do this. You know what? I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna base. I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna base some on personality. Who's that? <laughs> I'm gonna pick Patrick Ewing as the second ugliest head coach in the Big East. And you know what? That's because I want them to fire Patrick Ewing and. He's not a looker. You know what I find attractive is a coach who coaches well and does his job. <laughs> yeah. You want to know what I find sexy? The ability right. to coach. Put two and a half minutes on the clock. Talk to Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, Georgetown played one game this week. They were the opening, kind of new opening of uh, Big East basketball. And they lost 102 to 89 to Xavier in regulation. Let me make that clear. Yeah. Um, Nobody played defense in this game. I'd like to talk about what this meant for Xavier. I mean, we'll get there eventually. Um, but, I mean, Georgetown's the worst defensive team I've seen in the country. Yeah, uh, and you know what was really interesting is that they had played defense pretty well in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, because you have a tweet that says, uh, Georgetown yes. looks good defensively. Now, admittedly, I did not get to see the entire game because I did have to take my girlfriend out because she doesn't let me watch basketball all day long every day. Disrespect. But I saw the first half... And I thought their defense actually looked pretty solid. You know, they have the athletes to play yeah. defense, right? Nobody's looking at their team and they're saying they're just not athletically gifted enough to play defense. Absolutely. So if you are properly motivated, um, they could play defense in short spurts. Yeah. They have not put together full 40 minutes I, all season. We're 12 games in, 11 games yeah. in. Yeah. So I only got to watch the second half of this game, which is why we ended up being a really good pair. Adam Kunkel was shooting wide open threes. Like, to the point where I texted you and said, this is shooting practice right now. I mean, Kunkel shot um, seven threes and went five of seven from three. Suli Boom went six of nine from three. They shot 54% from three, and it wasn't, like, fluky. Like, it was like, I expect them to hit these shots. Um, I thought Georgetown's, if we're going to talk positively, I thought Georgetown's offense flowed. Um, some of that I thought was Xavier's game plan though, which is a little, 
you got to be scared of your Georgetown. But that makes perfect sense, right? Because Xavier, we know, is defensively limited, but one of the best offensive teams in the conference. Georgetown is the worst defensive team in the conference, but has some offense go along. Um, but they were never going to keep up with Xavier. And I don't. And again, I don't want to talk too much about Xavier, but it looked like Xavier's goal was, Georgetown, you can score every time you want. You're going to miss. We're probably not going to miss the way you're yeah, playing. Yeah, but did Sean Miller, after the game, they... Yeah, he probably... In their interview, they said, you know, what do you think about the 100 points? He said, I'm not worried about the 100 points. I'm worried about the 89 we gave up yeah. to Georgetown. Uh, Primo Spears looks really good, continues to look really good. One of my favorite players to watch play day in and day out. Um, he dropped 22. Wahab looked really good at certain times in this game. Yeah. Just incredibly bad defense. Yeah, you're not going to win any games. You're not going to win any games giving up 100 points. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was embarrassing at points the way that Adam Kunkel was getting looks off. Um, and Suli Boom absolutely rammed the, you know, rammed it down their throat at certain times. Not that rammed, you know, rammed the. You know, no, I'm I not mean. familiar. I'm All not right, familiar. Here's third ugliest head coach in the Big East or eighth hottest head coach in the Big East. Eighth, I, I like that. Let's stay positive. And um, oh, I hate, I hate insulting people. Um, That's weird because you never have a problem with doing it or not with me. I'm going to stick with uh, your kind of theory here and say incompetence is my turnoff. And I'm going to go Mike Anderson, St. John's Johnny's. The 11-1 St. John's Johnny's? I said what I How said. How are we not talking about Tony Stubblefield? Is it just we have an affinity for Tony? He's such a good guy. I love Tony Stubbs. Uh, uh, so all right, two and a half minutes. Let's talk. Uh, they played one game this week. They beat Florida State by 14 um, let me be on record that I have watched Florida State play several games this year, and if Louisville was not doing what Louisville was doing, Florida State would be one of the talks of the country. Now, were you choosing to watch Florida State, or was it like a gun to the head situation? Be okay. I thought they were going to be okay at the beginning of this year. I believe they have Kayla Mills on From their Houston? Team. From Houston. I could be wrong. Now that I'm looking at I watched a lot of college basketball this week. Um, yes, they have Kayla Mills from Houston, which always intrigued me. Um they're bad. They're really bad. I, I don't want to take anything away from St. John's, but they're really bad. I don't know how they ended up so bad because when I followed them a couple years ago and they had Balsa Korbovica who ends up going to the NBA. They had um, um, who's it? Scotty Scott Barnes, Barnes who goes to is a lottery pick. They had several players who ended up on NBA rosters and they were one of the talks of the country. And what Leonard... I don't know. <sighs> okay, enough Florida State talk. We got two and a half. All right. Let's John- start Johnny's. I mean... Dylan and Dayawusa, really? Off the bench, 20 points? Yeah. That's, th- these are all significant things. I'm worried the Johnnies... Th- the bigger discussion is have the Johnnies screwed themselves by playing such a bad out-of-conference They're in the schedule. 300s in strength of schedule out of 350 teams. That's embarrassing. That's really bad. Like, that's not, oh, some teams are worse than we thought. And yes, yeah, Syracuse, Florida State are worse than they thought. Right. But... No one thought Syracuse was going to be good coming into the year. No. Jim Beheim murdered a guy. That's not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, killed the guy. I but don't know. They, they didn't schedule any um, high major games except for against Florida State. And, and the mid-tournament, ter- mid-season tournament that they entered had one of these. Um, the weakest. Well, yeah, one of the weakest. It ended up being a battle. It was in New York. I get why they did it. Joel Soriano looks like a beast. I want to see how he does against the rest of the Big East. Um, he's going against Florida this week. Um, so I'm really excited for that matchup. Carbello continues to look really good, and he's shooting the ball really well. Um, Posh is still continuing to struggle with the shot, so that has to get right for me to have a lot of confidence in them. But overall, I think this is a week where you say I didn't learn learn much about the St. John's Johnnies. 
the problem is every week has been I didn't learn much about the same. No, I learned time. a lot when they got their ass beat by Iowa State. But why can't that be the exception to the rule? Because it's the only decent team they've faced. Well, that's my issue. Uh, that's my issue. Like, what if that one game was just a, like the complete exception to the rule? Instead, we're gonna just pretend like that is the that's the rule because we that's the result we think lines up best with what our thoughts are. If we're going by Mike Anderson rules, no, that wasn't the exception. That was pretty in line with the rest. But that's of his the problem. That's from I'm years past, terms. though. I'm not gonna base it. I'm not gonna um, blame them for this year. But you'll blame Patrick Ewing for his failures. Yes, year. because Patrick Ewing's team is still terrible. I don't like the I don't like the Johnnies. I was on board until that Iowa State game. I'm big on the Johnnies. I think they're our fourth tournament team right now. All right, next ugliest head coach or next best looking. I don't want to do it because I do love him. Stubbs, you're on the clock. It's Tony just because the age. It's just the age when he was younger. Stubbs. Oh, Stubbs was stolen. But you know he's got the experience now, and he's. I just, mean, if we're talking about incompetence. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, let me put the time on the clock. There we go. Uh, DePaul played two games this week. They're one of the few, and DePaul didn't win a game this week. Yeah, DePaul kind of wishes they played uh, one game this week. Yeah, they. Lost to Duquesne. I actually ended up watching a lot of that. Some of the worst offense I've seen. Um, and then they got their the brakes beaten off them by Northwestern. Yeah, I went to watch the DePaul-Northwestern game, and they were losing by 20 points. And I said, I have better things to do on a Saturday afternoon. What did you have to do on a Saturday afternoon? I think I took a nap. Oh. Um, <laughs> Damn, that's brutal. And I'm gonna, if I'm going to be honest, the Paul fans that we talk to on Twitter are saying a lot of the same thing. They're saying, this team is not worth watching right now, and we don't blame t- uh, people who don't watch them. Yeah, I mean, Zion Cruz has really um, been a disappointment this year. Yep. Um, from someone who was... Like, getting legitimate hype for being the Big East freshman of the year. Uh, he This week he goes, he played a total of 33 minutes and scored three points. Um, that's, that's, like, as bad as it gets. Are we starting to have the conversation? No. Nope. No, we're not. That, how well does Tony Stubblefield develop talent? Look at... Well, first off, look at Javon Freeman Liberty. Okay. He missed most of last year, though, so we don't. He, and he's playing in the NBA. Yeah, but he didn't develop him. He didn't wasn't number there. two. Think about the program he inherited. I mean, you're talking one of the five worst P six schools in the in the but country. But we're not seeing any improvement. Is the problem? Last year was an improvement, but and then were, he lost his three best players. But under Leto, 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 Leto. I don't know how to say. Um, they were still ranking in Ken Palm where they ranked last year. As she, I, I mean, listen, I want to close my eyes and see, say I see it. And there's some injuries. Annoy, Ogenda, haven't played yet. People are saying Annoy's not going to play if this year. any coach who loses their three best players, including one who's going to the NBA, really? is going to take a step back. Except really? for Shaka Smart. I, Shaka Smart? Because Shaka and Smart is a magician. Dan Hurley? Um, Dan Hurley lost his four best players. Adama Sonogo left? Okay, I he, wasn't familiar. I apologize. He lost four of his best players. Marquette lost two of the best players in the conference. Um, I, I'm pro Stubbs. I'm giving him at I least two Stubbs, more years. I love Stubbs, and I think people are willing to give him more years. But if this goes bad, and they only beat, and they don't win it. If they go Georgetown bad, DePaul's AD, and I'm going to go a second over here after um, we play our buzzer. What people like about DePaul's AD is he seems to have a sense of accountability more. He was on Twitter right when they lost and said, this is not acceptable. Um, we need to be better than this. And um, if this goes Georgetown bad, 0-20 bad, 
I'm not 100% sure that many people would have survived that other than Ewing. And I don't know if Stubblefield does. Listen, here's what I'm going to say. You don't have a lot of talent lining up to coach the DePaul Blue Demons, okay? <sighs> Tony Stubblefield's a real deal. He was an assistant coach at Oregon for years and years. I, listen, I would take a bullet for Tony Stubblefield. Yeah, that's right. But if you – I'm saying hypothetically he goes 0-20. He keeps his job? I don't speak in ifs and buts. Well, you just love Tony Stubblefield. Yeah, that's right. Name your next ugliest head coach. Not Tony. Oh, uh, I think there's like a consensus here, next ugliest, and then I think there's also a consensus, next ugliest there. Well, we're saving Creighton for the end. Let's remember that. Um, Because Mr. McDermott is also kind of a good-looking guy. Okay. Uh, hot take. Um, you don't think so? That's... You know, I don't want to comment on it. You've already spoken for us. You know, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go UConn Huskies here. Oh, and... Wow, that's shocking. I feel like... Not his father, though, who is a very handsome man. I feel... I'm not saying Dan Hurley's a good-looking man. (laughs) I'm just saying that I thought there was a consensus team that should bend below. You know, Danny Hurley back in his playing days? Stud. You're just trying to compliment everybody, and it's not going to happen on this show. I can't wait till we get to the part where we're calling him attractive, not... Not unattractive. I, I think we're almost at that point. Yeah, I, don't, um, I don't love this part. Two and a half on the clock. Uh, Hurley's UConn Huskies played one game this week. We already touched on it with Butler, but let's now talk about it from the UConn side of things. Um, they were led by, my opinion, I mean, listen, we're Husky fans. You know all that shit. Um, you know that whole thing. This was one of my the best performances I've seen this year from a Big East player. Um, Sonogo's 29 and 14 yeah. um, against them. I, the way that he got those 29 and 14, it wasn't just layups and, um, you know, putbacks and stuff like that. He was going around people, 27 and 14, my bad. He was going around people. He shot the biggest three of the UConn season so far. Um, when it was a four point game with seven minutes left, um, he comes in off the bench, Klingon had not been playing great. Um, he comes off the bench to four point game and he strokes a three from the top of the key. Um, I believe, if my calculations are correct, Butler scored seven more points for the rest of the game. UConn scored 25 more points for the rest of the game. And if you had told me Adama Sinogo shooting the biggest three of the UConn season, I would say that UConn's probably not the number two team in the country. Yeah, I mean, they looked really good. They just look like they're in a class by themselves right now in the Big East, um, which is a problem for the Big East, and the Big East needs other teams to step up. But um, UConn is not the problem. And they're just rolling. Yeah. They're just rolling. And the cool thing about UConn, um, Naeem Aline had kind of been a no-show. And he dropped three of five from three. Naeem Aline played really well. A three-year starter at Virginia Tech, known for his sharp shooting abilities. He comes in. Um, he hit that three and a half. Right. That was a massive swing, too, I will say, for Butler fans who are still listening. Um, there was a charge called on Taylor. I thought Taylor was out of control. Butler fans don't. And then UConn gets the ball back. Naeem hits a big three down the half. Um, puts UConn up by eight going into the half rather than five with Butler having the ball. Um, they, just the weapons they have. Naeem Aline gets nine off the bench. Um, Hawkins didn't shoot the ball. It's exceptional. But they were led by the big guy. And I think Sonogo, I think Sonogo this is my hot take, Like is in the top three for national player of the year right now. I think, um, I don't know, it's hard because he's not getting the usage and the minutes that some of these other guys are getting because he's got such a good backup. Um, but he's leading the conference in scoring right now, so. By like a point and a half, it's it's him and Edie are the only two players I've seen that are in that class by themselves right now. What about the uh, point guard from Houston? 
I don't know. I don't know enough. Sasser, I haven't, Marcus I haven't seen enough about Houston to. Uh, I think Houston are frauds frequently, so I'm not going to. Uh, Marcus Sasser. They've played one team and they lost to that team. All right, your pick here. All right, now we're going into attractive head coaches, which I told Ryan, you know, we should start like that. Attractive head coaches. We don't have to call him ugly. Ryan's like, no, we're going to call him ugly. He never said that. I would have been. <laughs> so, unfortunately, um, in a team that I think we have a lot to say, we could have saved this team for the end, too. Um, the Providence Friars. Providence Friars. And Ed Cooley. Now, let's be clear. Ed Cooley is a handsome devil. Okay? I, I have some, like, Ed Cooley stories that I've heard that I don't want to get into. So I, I, it, Ed Cooley, when he was at midcourt screaming at the refs at halftime, oof. I think Ed Cooley's that guy who comes into church and the women go, home. Oh Ed Co- Edward, Edward takes care of his family. Yep. But I don't know if anyone's like, you know. Right, Providence, you better take care of that guy. All, All right, right, two and, and a half, half minutes. Providence played one game this week. Providence got one win. Did they play Albany this week? I don't think so. No, no that, was that was our last week. week. Um, and they beat Seton Hall 71-67. Um, you watched a lot of this game, so I'm going to let you kind of go with this. One. I did. I watched this entire game, and it was really a tale of two halves for me in the first half. Their offense did nothing. And it was to the point where you wondered kind of if they were running plays, if they were uh, the players didn't know the plays that were getting called out. And some of the most concerning stuff is Jared Bynum It does looks lost out there. And, you know, he's... One of their most important veterans. So you want him to know what's going on. And he just didn't look like he knew what was going on. Um, And then in the second half, Ed Cooley comes out. And he just calls Bryce Hopkins and Ed Croswell's number over and over and over again. And those guys took over the game. Um, One of the best halves of basketball I've watched. I'm sure Seton Hall fans don't feel that way. But if you were a Providence fan, this was one of the most exciting halves of basketball because these guys were fighting finally. You just saw that. It, it was just pure fight. Um, I, I am admittedly an Ed Croswell diehard. I love the way he plays basketball. Um, and I was just really impressed with what I saw. I, I, I was following this game on my phone as best I could. Um, 45 and 19 for Hopkins and Croswell. That applied. And they both shot over 50%. That applied. Yep. Um, they got to the line and combined 19 times. You'd like to see him comport, convert more than 11. And what did Croswell have? Two or three blocks and two or three, three steals? Blocks, three blocks, two steals. Yeah. Hopkins had three assists. Bryce Hopkins is moving towards Big East. Um, all, all Big East. First team? Yeah. Yes. I think he might slide in, especially because there's not a lot of fours. Yeah. That are performing very well. Um, it's kind of UConn's soft spot. It's Creighton's soft spot right now. We'll get to that. Um, so. I, I'm really, I, listen, I think Seton Hall is probably the ninth best team in the Big East. Because um, there's a clear bottom two. I agree. Um, so what does this win mean? I guess we're going to find out. You know, Providence is going to play um, Marquette on tomorrow. And that should be one of the more fun games of the year. Um, well, the beginning, you know, the early year, Marquette just got ranked. Province is going in saying, we're the Friars who won the Big East. Um, what I saw was in the... In the first half, you're like, how could Ed Cooley let his boys play like this? In the second half, you're like, that's Ed Cooley basketball. Yeah. Like, I, they, they just came out and they wanted it more. And I loved it. Good for them. That's a good, that's a big win for Providence and to go one and out to start the uh, Big East season is huge. Ryan, your next most attractive head coach. My next most handsome. We're down to what three? We got four? some handsome fellows out here. I think I'm gonna go Sean Miller here. He's just a little bit older than the rest of the guys coaching that we have left. I'm sure back in his day, he would have been number one. 
You think he would have been number one? I think he might Yeah, have. I think Sean Miller thinks he's number one and isn't. But he's a good-looking guy. But I think Sean Miller is like, oh, this is an easy one. Like, if he he's if he will listen to our podcast, here's the first two minutes. He's skipping ahead to see to see where he is to see if he's number one. Sean Miller, when he's kneeling, he, he kneels on one knee half the game and talks to the ref. I love it. Yeah, it's like prayer. old school basketball. They play one game and they beat. We already talked about it. Um, we'll obviously talk a lot more from the Xavier. They played two they games. Played Southern, sorry. They beat Southern 79-59, and they beat Georgetown 102-89. I have nothing to say about this Southern game. Um, and Neither do I. Uh, they are one of the worst teams in the country. Not a lot to draw conclusions They beat from. them by tw- uh, thir- or 20. Congratulations. I have a lot to say about the Georgetown game. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go to- ahead. Go ahead. Um, Suli Boom is the best transfer I have seen this year. He is incredible at getting into the hole. Getting fouled. He didn't get fouled much in this game, but that was what won them the game against Cincinnati. Um, Fremantle and Nunji just passing the ball back and forth from high-low to high-low is really good. Colby Jones has taken a step backwards offensively. And what I mean by that, he's I think he's purposely taking that step backwards. I don't okay. think his skill set has diminished. I think he's more interested in that facilitating role. And he's cutting. You know, He gets eight assists in this game. Um, but we also saw in the Cincinnati game when they needed a bucket, they went to him like three times in a row. He's their most talented offensive player. So I think that I Sean think maybe Miller, not Suli Boom might be Suli the Suli Boom's team. really good. I'm not. I'm certainly not saying Suli Boom's not good. Like 39 minutes. But I do believe Sean Miller knows. Um, Kobe Jones is kind of the bird of the hand. Yeah. It, I'm not going to use him every time because I don't want people to see that. But when I need a bucket, I'm going to Colby Jones in a pick and roll with Jack Nunchi. And and he dominated. Um, I was you know I already talked about how Conkle had wide open shooting practice. The thing that scares me about Xavier, um, is their depth. Uh, you don't get a lot on their bench. This is what we're going to say about a lot of these teams, other than UConn, who has the bench. It's like Marquette and Seton Hall maybe, but Seton those Hall's, were my three. Yep. But Seton Hall might stink. Um. I don't know. Desmond Claude gives him six points. He plays 21 minutes. He shot the ball well. I don't know. I need to see what Xavier has. Um, and if you're going to play fast the whole game like Sean Miller wants to, I think you're going to need some subs. Yeah, this is a get-right game or uh, week for Xavier. They play one of the worst teams in the country, and then they play the worst team in the Big East. Um, they did what they were supposed to do. They're going into Big East play now with, uh, you know, kind of rolling finally after they had had some setbacks in the non-con. Um, starting ranked where they were and then falling out of the rankings. Um, so you love to see it, but I'm not sure I'm drawing big conclusions after this. No, week. and they play Seton Hall next, and then they play St. John's. Those are two games that they're hoping to win. And then big New Year's Eve clash with um, UConn at the Cintas Center. So Those are the, three of the best defenses in the conference also, which y- is interesting yeah. to note. Um, that you if if um not Creighton if Xavier wins both games, uh, it'll be a ranked matchup at the Cintas. Yeah, I, I agree well. with you because Xavier should have been ranked, in my opinion, this week. All right, Mister Cassidy, who are you going with next? All right, so we're down to three. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go with Kyle Neptune. Mm. Kyle Neptune in a suit is definitely top. Yeah, in unfortunately, the he's filling in for Jay Wright, who was one of the more attractive coaches in college. Which Jay Wright was 1A. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was 1-1. Your girlfriend he was your fir- is in love with him. He was the first pick in the draft um, if he was still around. But Kyle Neptune's not a bad follow-up. And we him. had a Holy Wars game. St. Joseph. Is that what they actually call it or no? I don't believe so. 
I'm gonna. Okay, I'm not wait. sure where you got that from. Saint Joseph Holy Wars basketball. I'm looking this up. They uh, Villanova played Saint Joseph. Yep, um, Holy War basketball. That's what the rivalry is called. I was not familiar with that. <laughs> Neither I saw it on Twitter, and I was not sure if it. W- they played St. Joseph's. Um, the game was close, which a lot of people weren't expecting because St. Joseph is not a very good a team. A lot of people were expecting Villanova to win by at least 12. Ryan, I'm glad you said that. But the game was <laughs> awfully close. Um, and St. Joe's came out and they hit their shots. St. Joe's takes some of the most threes of anybody in the country. They, and they went. They fell. You can blame some of that on Villanova's defense. Absolutely. But some of it is they were just having a good shooting night. Um, so Villanova had to battle and struggle. And they managed to pull it off without much help. From their star freshman. Well, Cam played okay. I mean, not okay, but he scored seven points. He shot poorly. Um, he, But their freshman, 10, 15. You got to combine 15 points from four guys. Whitmore, Housen, Longino. No, Longino's not a freshman. I'm sorry. Sophomore. Armstrong. Um, you want to know who's always there for you? Chris Archie Diacono. Archie. <laughs> Listen, I am... It's partially Stan. It's partially because of the disrespect Arch has had to um, tolerate, but I just love watching Chris Archie Diacono play basketball because you just know he knows he's never gonna do anything dumb out there. Well, that's kind of like at the beginning here. I got ripped because I said he plays like Gillespie. Listen, I get it. He's less talented than Gillespie, but Hot every take. single take, every single place he is, he's in the right place. He's doing the pump fakes. He's going back out. He's shooting the open threes. He's never forcing a three. No. He's, I, I really, I've really enjoyed watching him grow up. Um, another, he doesn't turn the ball over. Never turns the ball over. Had zero turnovers in this game against St. Joseph. Now listen, putting him in the pick and roll it doesn't. He's help not you. athletic enough. It doesn't help you because he's got no ability no. to finish at the basket. But he's always going to be in the right position. He steps in and takes charges. He hits his open shots. The last five games, he has turned the ball over a combined one time. Yeah, I, I just, I'm done with the arch slander. Yeah. Especially when your freshmen are not doing what you want them me, to do. And let's talk about the four of them. I mean, the four, the four older guys, uh, Dixon, Slater, Archie, and Daniels combined four, if I can do quick math here, um, 56 of the 71 points. And that's, that's massive. Yeah, Brandon Slater was fantastic in that game after I talk all that arch. Uh, Slater was my player of the game. Um, he nailed all of his shots. Having those upperclassmen is such a difference maker. And and that's what it looked like. Villanova looked like they just outclassed St. Joseph at the end of that game. All right, Mr. Ryan, we have down to two teams. Are you picking between? I'm going Shaheen Holloway here. Yeah. I think you can't go wrong here on this choice, but Shaheen Holloway's a stud, and I'm going to go Shaheen. Yeah, I, I think that's a good pick. Um, Seton Hall, we also have some stuff to talk about with Seton Hall because they went – did they play Drexler? Yes, they did. Drexler this week. They smacked Drexler around. No. Uh, they beat they almost gave, 17. They almost gave it back in the end. They were up 30 points. Oh, I mean, to be honest, I didn't watch the Drexel game. Yes, you did because you had the under and we were texting during it. I did watch the Drexel game and I was not happy. And I did not watch it. I followed it on my phone. You guys were brothers if you can't tell. I know what he did. Yeah, uh, I was... Yeah. I mean, I had a long night that night trying to find a place that was open at 8.30. Come on. Anyway, Providence, um, they beat. They lost to Providence 71-67. So... Uh, I, I think that's kind of more where we go. They they played really good defense against Drexel, it seemed like, for the first 30 minutes, um, and then the last 10. I, I, exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. My big takeaway from Seton Hall is they can't seem to put together 40 minutes of defense either. 
Yeah. Because they were fantastic against Drexel, like the, to the point where they looked like they were torturing him out there. Yeah. I mean, Drexel had like 15 points through the first half. Something. Well, worked. that's why I texted her and I said, wow, great bet on the under. And then you were like, it's not over yet. And I was like, Ryan, it's over. But seeing all for some reason, I mean, Shaheen Holloway, when you listen to him talk about his players, you can tell he knows he cannot keep them motivated. And um, one thing I thought was really telling, he was in the huddle towards the end of the game. And he's like, we have a bunch of upperclassmen and we play so immaturely. Yeah. Like, why can't we just close out these games the way that we, you know, we get into these leads the same way they did against Providence. And then we just stop playing defense. We lose our motivation, you know. Let's talk a little positively. Kadari Richmond. Kadari Richmond. I mean, it's, it's his second game like this in two years. Yeah. I mean, the kid goes off for 28 points. Um Nine rebounds, five assists. I mean, he was he was their entire team. He almost scored half of their points. This is why he made first team preseason um, in the coaches because they saw what he did against UConn last year and they said if he's able to do that, absolutely. He's and the I best mean, player in the conference. They they have a lot of problems. I mean, you can't get from the Davis brothers. You get a combined six points. That's just not going to work. Um, so they they have a lot of problems that are going on right now. But. Um, I think the Shaheen Holloway era will figure it out, but I do not think it was with this team. No, I love Shaheen Holloway, but I don't think he likes this team very much. That's not a hot take. Um, a little, I think he said that pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where we're at with that. All right. And we are talking about the Marquette hollow-boned Golden Eagles. And can we give... Shaka Smart, a moment in the sun. Handsome. Most, uh, he's a good-looking guy, and he's a hell of a fucking coach. Hell of a coach. Um, I think that deserved a hard after um, early in the show. All right, two and a half on the clock. Marquette played one game this week. Marquette won one game this week. Marquette beat Creighton 69-258. Um, I watched this entire game. I thought that Marquette... I never thought there was a doubt of what was the, who was the better team. And if you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have said, you're right. There was not a doubt who the better team is. Creighton is. And I never for a moment thought that Marquette was going to lose that game. Um, well, it was a close game into the middle of the first half. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a close game. I just was never... It, it's like watching UConn right now. You know, UConn goes down 10-2 to two against Butler. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there was no question that UConn was going to win the way they did. Um, that's just how I felt about Marquette. It could have been wrong. You know, I could have looked like an idiot, but man, they are so, so let me, so Oso Iguodaro was fantastic in this game. He ends up on the Big East, um, on a roll for the week because this is his performance. What do you have? 17 points? Something 16 like points and six rebounds. 16 points, six rebounds. And I almost texted you this last night and I said, let me wait for the podcast to say it. My hot take, Shaka Smart is more willing to ride the hot hand than anybody else in the Big East. Any other coach. Yeah, I mean. Because Oso Iguodaro realized he had a mismatch on Frederick King, Ryan Kalkbrenner's backup. Yeah. And he just allowed him to go iso post on King over and over. I think I counted eight iso posts yeah, for I mean, Oso Iguodaro. And I think it's telling, like, I think what you're saying is correct because look at the scoring outbursts some of these guys have had. Right. Cam Jones has gone for almost 30. Omax has had games. And then you think the of Joplin, what Joplin did against Purdue. Yep, what Joplin did. Um, and, you know, I think kind of you saw something a little similar to that last year with uh, Justin Lewis, yep. where he could just kind of, you know, the problem was it turns out Justin Lewis was the only offensive player on the team. But I do player. remember in one of those inside the huddles, Shaka Smart said, 
Like, we're going to give Lewis the shot here. It was to win the game, I think, because he's played so well today. Yeah, I think that's so much of Shaka Smart's mentality, and I think that's why his players love playing for him. I Listen, whatever he's doing, the deflections are crazy. Yep. Um, their ability to get out and run. Their defense is so good. I was not blown away because I saw this when they played Baylor, and that's clearly the best game they played. But, man, it was just weird for me to look at that game and say this is a master class of – Basketball, and it's not who I thought it would be. You know, you expect Shaka Smart's defense to be excellent, but his offense this year is also excellent, and that's how they've ended up as one of the top three teams in the conference. Absolutely. And we are on. So Shaka wins most handsome, and we don't have to worry about it because we were going to save Creighton for last to talk and give them our five minutes of Fame. We got a little extra talk on Creighton today. Let's put five minutes on the clock. Creighton went zero and two this week, I believe. Arizona State is sorry. Sometimes it's hard to remember what week or what uh, happened in the week. They lost to Arizona State on an absolute crusher. Um, they had a chance to tie the game at the buzzer and they missed. Um, Tricky Trey missed that at the buzzer, I believe. Correct. I'm not sure. And they lose to Marquette in the game we just discussed. So. I told you that, I mean, we have more time so I can kind of uh, settle in here and mosey on up to the bar room. Um, but my issue right now is people are like, because they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six in a row. People are saying, wait until Cockburner's healthy. Wait until Cockburner's healthy. Let's look at, let's be strategic though when we're looking at this. They lose 81 to 79 to Arizona. Cockburner's healthy. Cockburner plays like shit. Ball of bosses him around a little bit. Correct? I mean, we can just, like, just call a spade a spade. So, the Cockburner being healthy, you know, the Cockburner being healthy doesn't become an issue until the Arizona State and Marquette games. Here's the problem in those two games. No, and the, the game prior to that. BYU? Was it BYU? Yeah, it might have been BYU. I mean, here's the issue with this. In the last two games, if hopefully I can do this quickly, in the last two games, four... Creighton, Fred King has put up 32 points in 44 minutes and has 21 rebounds and eight blocks. You are getting out of the center position the same production that you were getting out of Cockburner. I understand that Fred King's defense is not there, but you are getting very similar production. I don't. A hundred percent agree with what you just said because Ryan Cockburner is one of the best players in the conference, and what he brings to you on your defensive end is often immeasurable because he. Um, Fred King has eight blocks in two games. Ryan Cockburner discourages I know, I know. every I, shot. I agree. At the a rim. block is a block is a result of a lot of other things. Right, so it's often a result of a bad shot selection, or you got beat and you have to. Yes, I totally get what you're saying. Um. And they're not running the same set plays for King as they run for Cockburner. Now, yes, is King finding a way to score? Yes. Is that amazing? Yes. But it takes a lot off of the offense when you have a set play to get the ball to Cockburner. But I'm looking at these games, and I'm watching Fred King play. And I'm looking at Creighton, and I'm saying they're not losing anything in the center position. I I say I don't agree with that. Not that, okay, let me rephrase. The center position is not an issue on their team right now. I, with or without Cockburn. Here's how I would phrase it. I do, I do agree with you partially. They should be winning these games without Cockburner. King is giving them enough that the rest of the guys on their team At, should be winning these games. That's what I don't... When Cockburner comes back, let's say Cockburner comes back and averages 20. And I get 
he's going to be able to help defensively. It's not a straight trade. But King's numbers will go down. You're going to lose some of those King numbers. There are only so many points to have. I'm just not 100% sure. It's easy like saying Kalkbrenner's not healthy and that's why the, what the problem is. Because Fred King has been that flipping good. Fred King's been great, but you need help from the four guys that are supposed to play around King or Kalkbrenner, whoever's healthy. And I will play devil's advocate to what I just said. I'll play devil's advocate of myself. Fred King going to the bench helps what, what Creighton is worst at. Depth. That's true, but it only helps on the five position. It does. You're right. And I'm thinking today, I don't... Arthur Kaluma, in my opinion, is the reason this Creighton season's gone the way it has. Arthur Kaluma has not played well. Um, he had one good He's game against... Who did he play against, well, against BYU? Against BYU. Yeah, and they end up losing that game. But he just has not managed to find anything in rhythm. He's not as good of a shooter as he thinks he is. Uh, I hate to say Oof. that. Um, but he's just... I mean, he can't be shooting more than 30% from three right now. Um, Shireman is missing open shots. 31% from three, 36% from the field. Thirty, Yeah, I mean, 36% from the field if you weren't... Un- oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. 41% from the field, 30% from three. I was looking at his home games, okay. which are... That's weird. So he's over 40% from the field, but still, 30% from three is stop taking threes. Unless you're an NBA prospect, and then they're going to say, Kaluma, you can keep taking. And he shot 26% last year. I'm really, really worried that Creighton is not good. And they're getting nothing from their bench. Farabello is, I mean, he can't hit his open shots and he can't yeah. defend. I threw this out there the other day, and let me see what you say. It, when when Creighton looked good, and they looked really good against Arkansas, it seemed like five guys on a string, everybody pulling in the right direction. It now seems like the offense goes through Shireman. 100%. He is taking the ball at the elbow, backing people down, dishing, or taking a contested shot. I mean, he was a point guard at North Dakota State. Um, so, I understand that. I don't think he's necessarily the problem. I don't either. But... Creighton fans are furious with Baylor Shireman. I don't think Baylor Shireman's the worst player. I, I'm, uh, I can think of two guys off the top of my head in the starting rotation who are giving him less than Shireman right now. Um, but... Don't you dare say tricky. Um, the team doesn't look good. I know they did look good, but Marcus Zagorowski. And they can't defend. Like, not only can the bench not defend, but half the guys that start can't defend. They're going, I mean, Marquette went right past them, you know? Yeah, I, I'm I'm just really worried. I, I know I can only say that in so many different ways, but um, I don't think Creighton is even close to a tournament team right now. I think we don't know if they're going to be able to recapture what they had um, in the Maui Invitational. So if they're able to recapture that, they're absolutely, I mean, they're a Final Four team. But what we're seeing right now doesn't suggest to me that they are going to find it. Absolutely. All right. Well, we also now have a... We threw a mailbag question to you out last night. Um, as a reminder, if you ever have a question or something you just want us to talk about, um, please let us know. All right, Ryan, we normally have your beautiful assistant, our beautiful assistant, but she is not here. Not our, she's our assistant. She's just your assistant? She's just my assistant. That's rude. She helps me. She helps us with our podcast. Um, 
So I will do my best voice for you. No, to please remind don't. You, please do a normal voice. To remind you of her. I'd like it if you did a normal voice. Well, you said it would be help to have different people. All right, I'll try a different, I'll try accents for you. After watching the Yukon Butler game, it is clear that nobody has close to the impact that Sonogo does on the court. How many players are better than him in the country? Listen, if you tuned out during that, I don't blame you. Um, here's going to be my honest answer to that. I don't watch other teams outside the Big East unless they're playing the Big East, so I'm going to pass on this. I watch, I've watched a lot of Purdue. Fell in love with Jaden Ivey last year. Fell in love with Travion Williams. Still really like some of the guys there. The impact that Zach Eady... I don't think anyone... I haven't seen any big man as talented as Sonoga. Right. The impact Zach Eady has on the court is, in my opinion, bigger than anybody else because he's just so much bigger. He can get any ball that goes up on the rim. He has his hands on. He's tipping. Um, you're fouling him a lot. I just really um, like what he brings to the team um, at any given time. All right, Ryan. The next question is, how many slices of deli cheese can Andre Jackson punch through? Four years. Way more than four. Four? You could punch through four. <laughs> What's your answer? Next question, 50. Thoughts on Tyree Samuel? I need to know. Um, I really like what Tyree Samuel gives Seton Hall. I think he's one of their better players. He fouled out against Providence because him and Ed Croswell didn't like each other. and They was just banging. Um, wow, an angry bang. <laughs> an angry bang. I like what Samuel gives them. I don't think he's the problem on Seton Hall. Um, I, is he the best player in the in the conference? No. Uh, he's going to give Seton Hall their highlight of their season. So, how about that? There you go. <laughs> Take that with you will. All right. Dylan Traeger asks, what can Coach Ewing and Georgetown do over the offseason to attempt to turn things around? Well, you know, if, Resign. They, if they don't like their roster, they should, like, get rid of all of it and get all different transfers. Oh, uh, yeah. From high-level yeah. conferences that were top 50 recruits. Really talented players. Um, they already have tried that. I it's so hard to say because they have the talent. Um, you know, unless Patrick Ewing can all of a sudden become a culture guy, which he doesn't seem to be. No. they. I mean, Curtis Wahab has taken steps backwards under Patrick Ewing. Yeah, but he did also... Um, uh, Go to Maryland. Uh, a cook <coughs> has taken steps laterally. Primo Spears, laterally. Like, yeah. I Resign. That's what they can do. Resign and become culture guys. All right, last question. Okay. After Georgetown kept pace for with Xavier for 85% of the game, does the defense issue become a major concern once competition against the upper part of the conference starts? Yes, there absolutely does. They are trying to play a what I saw kind of a St. John's type offense um, while playing a much better defense. And as St. John's how that's worked the last few years, letting teams score at will... Um, like a Georgetown, it doesn't work. I don't think they let teams so- score it well on purpose. Georgetown th- scored it well. Listen, first off, Georgetown is not the worst offensive team in the conference. Yeah, they're like the second worst. Georgetown's offense is decent. That's not the problem on that team. They're, um, they're, they're awful, Ryan. They're, I'm I want to sh- make that clear. I'm not sure they're that bad. Um, but, yes, is Xavier's defense a concern? Of course, because they are a top 20 team, except their defense has been a, a serious liability. Um, and so I think Miller is experimenting with using Fremantle and Hunter in kind of a, help me, uh, platoon situation platoon. where Fremantle plays offense and Hunter plays defense. Playing two slow big guys um, like Fremantle and Nunji 
uh, at the same time as you're going to have a hard time. I think Nunji does fine because of his length and he's guarding the five spot. But Fremantle is slow and he guards a Nunji four. Nunji looked bad against centers. Nunji looked bad against Sonogo last year. Nunji looked bad against centers that can really move. Yeah, I um, don't. Well, Hob had some success against him uh, as well. Nunji's not the best defender in the country. Kobe Jones needs to be better. Suli Boom needs to be better. Um, Adam Kunkel needs to be better. There's no Those guys are quick. They should be a lot better than they are. Yeah, I agree. So that is all of our Big East mailbags. Thank you. Uh, thank you, my friend, for doing that. You're welcome. You're so weird. Um, so that wraps up our week six of the Big East Bar Room. We want to thank you all for giving us a listen. Thank you all for interacting with us, sending us questions. We love that stuff. Love talking with you. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, comment, share with your friends. We always appreciate it. Uh, we just are looking for a platform. Donovan Klingon is not a top five center. In the That's a fact, but we're not going to get into it. Uh, but we love talking Big East basketball with you all. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for pulling up the stool.